When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sound the sirens, everybody. It's time for an emergency podcast here on the PHLY Sixers podcast with Kyle Newbeck, Derek Bodner. I'm Devine Givens. And uh, we have some developments from earlier today that direct, indirectly involves the 76ers, and we certainly need to talk about it. And that is OG Ananobi traded from the Toronto Raptors to the New York Knicks. So he is now off the table, Kyle. What's going on, man? Start with you. Your thoughts. So I would say, I know OG is the title of the Yeah, pod. I was going to say, you undersold uh, quickly a little bit there, I think. I oh, kind of yeah. think that's, if it's not as big a story, it's at least close. Because I think Emmanuel quickly oh. was one of the dark horse trade deadline guys for not just the Sixers, but plenty of teams around the league. He's a positionally versatile guard like at least defensively he's got a little bit of versatility shot maker maybe not as much of a creator for others as you would want but was a guy that I had a lot of interest in heading into this deadline and maybe he's how you end up using your cap space if you move for him so for him to get directly swapped for Ananobi was not really on my bingo card heading into you know this active trade season I'd say it's interesting more than I would say that it's outright good or a, a slam dunk win for either team. I think potentially both teams can benefit from this. The The subtext that I think is most important for the Sixers and you know Sixers fans looking at this deal, I think based on the conversations I've had, they were not all that involved up in the final you know days, hours, however you want to frame it coming into this because it became clear mostly that OG Ananobi wants a ton of money. And I said on Twitter earlier today that he's going to demand a max this summer. Now there, I believe Jake Fisher might've said Jake Fisher at Yahoo, old friend of ours said that might come down on that a little bit playing in New York, that this is a place that he potentially wanted to go. We'll see whether that happens, but Derek and I have both brought this up plenty of times in the last month or two. The concern, if you were trading for Ananobi, is does he become the next Tobias Harris contract where he's making more money than he ought to over the next four or five years? I think Derek has fairly pointed out that OG's defensive versatility and upside certainly give him more outs to be a high-level player than Tobias. But I think the Sixers were not going to be in that business. And now he goes to a team that maybe they're not a threat to contend, but they're going to be a pain in the ass team, high level defensive team that one of these, you know, Boston 
Bucks, Sixers teams is going to have to play most likely in a first round series. I think a lot. First of all, one thing you touched on is that saying that the Sixers became convinced that he was going to ask for a max deal in the summer. That's fine, but that's not really the key point. The key point is what he's going to get. Part of how Daryl Morey will be graded on his trade is how close to a max does OG end up getting and how correctly did Daryl Morey predict the market for him. We don't know what that is. I think one of my big takeaways with this trade is that maybe the trade market for players who are coming up on expiring deals, you know, non-star level players who are coming up on expiring deals might not be what it had been in the past. So I think that is both something to keep in mind with both Quickly and OG who are uh, coming up for contracts, but also for other players the Sixers might pursue who are in similar situations. Maybe the trade market isn't going to be as strong as it has been in your past, in part, I think, because of this new collective bargaining agreement. I sort of agree with Kyle on a lot of points there that I don't necessarily think this trade is a slam dunk for either team. You know, I think from the Knicks perspective, uh, you do have to give OG that next contract. I think they probably feel pretty confident that they can, in part because if you noticed, OG signed with CAA over the summer. His primary agent at CAA is a guy by the name of Sam Rose. If that last name sounds familiar, yes, he is <laughs> Leon Rose's son. So I think they have a pretty good idea of what it is going to take to sign him, or at least what he's looking for. Um, but, you know, that's going to be a bad contract. We've talked about that a lot. Uh, we Pretty much, I feel like about once a week, we bring up how bad that contract's going to be. It is going to be bad. From the Knicks' perspective, though, they at least swapped one bad contract in R.J. Barrett was making between 25 and $30 million long-term for him. So that lessens the pain a little bit. Like, do I think OG is going to be worth the contract he's going to sign? No, but I do think he's going to be worth about $15 million a year more than Barrett, probably more than that, because I don't think Barrett's a particularly useful player. So I think that helps lessen some of that blow, especially when you add in the fact that it didn't seem like they wanted to pay quickly what he wanted in that next deal either. So I get it from that perspective, while also saying, I don't think OG's perfect role is as a third option. I don't think next to, uh, you know, Randall and Brunson is a perfect spot for him. I think they're going to ask him to do more than he is capable of offensively. So it's not a perfect use of resources there. And from the Raptors perspective, you know, I think targeting quickly is a smart move. I think he's a really good fit next to Scotty Barnes. So I think it makes sense to target that specific player. But when you add in getting, um, you know, Barrett back, who, like I said, I think is a negative value at this point and not getting a first round pick. I'm surprised that they preempted the trade market and did this six weeks in advance and didn't wait to see what else. Like I said, I think it makes sense from the target um, quickly as a fit. I'm just surprised they weren't able to get any kind of draft compensation back for him or in addition to that. So it's a little surprising that it happened now. Um, it is early in the trade market. We don't normally see major December deals. It is almost quite literally the last day of December, the last two days of December. So it's getting close to trade season, but it's still a little early. Uh, and I think that surprised me a little bit. Devon, you're muted. Just for people who don't know. Really the, struggling uh, with this home stuff, trade. Devon. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like to mute. You know, you never want to have the uh, background noise or whatever, so I like to mute it. But thank you. Uh, Toronto Raptors sending OG Ananobi. Preston Sachua looks like is also going to the New York Knicks for R.J. Barrett. Uh, Ken, as yeah, well as native. Malachi Flynn. Uh, and with, as well as Malachi Flynn. With Mitchell being out, I think that was probably key for them too. Right. Yeah. So um, just looking at that and see, I now for me, as we talked about Emmanuel quickly, not signing that deal in the, in the off season, it was, it was something that was really talked about a lot uh, out there in the basketball circles of, of him not getting that deal done or the Knicks not getting that deal done, what he wanted also, as he felt like he was deserving of a pretty decent a lump sum of money. 
And pairing him up now in Toronto, as you said, Derek, that was something that really intrigued me as we saw the all the, the notes that came down with it because of him now having a little more freedom to, to, to be that type of person. Dennis Schroeder up there, one-year deal, I believe he signed, maybe a two-year deal, but he's not the future. And if if they can find something here with Quickly, Gary Trent, they were also looking at maybe not even bringing back uh, just this past summer. So you never know. And if they can find something out here sooner than later and get a really good look at Quickly with Scotty Barnes as you talk about it and start to flip that, turn that page from the former regime to what things are going to look like going forward. That's a nice piece. The Barrett part, I've never been a fan, never understood it. Uh, of course, he was the top billing at Duke, even over Zion and Cam Reddish at that time, but it eventually became Zion's team. And when R.J. Barrett got to the league, it was just, it was just, there were just some things about him just watching this game that you just felt like, it, okay, yeah, you can score a little bit, but is it going to help you win? And it clearly didn't work once Jalen Brunson got there. You know what Julius Randle in terms of how much how much he needs the basketball to get his work done. It wasn't going to work for them there. And he wasn't going to be happy in New York long-term because of those two directly in front of him. So we'll see what he does up there. Now he's with Pascal Siakam, at least for the short term. We'll see how that ends up playing out. As far as the Sixers go, we had a super chat uh, just last night when we did the show speaking about this very thing that you two have already mentioned of do you want to get yourself into the business of having to overpay in another Tobias Harris situation here with OG Ananobi? And you laid it out. We all three of us said, ideally, no, you don't want to do something like that because of everything that you just are about to get out of with this Tobias Harris situation and then giving maybe 200 plus million dollars to OG Ananobi. Yes, he does some phenomenal things defensively, offensively, asking him to play that role here. He might play the role, but how happy will he be in that role? And then there was the Nick Nurse piece. If, if they even, if they vibed, if, if they still had a pretty good relationship, if he, if they were to make that trade. So a lot of things up in the air with it. Uh, didn't expect it to happen now, even though we're still a month and a, a week and a half away from the trade deadline, but kicking it off this way certainly allows us to then look forward and see some other names that we can start to throw out there. Because as we said, you guys have been talking about OG Ananobi since September. And since I've been back, we talked about him maybe, you know, twice a week uh, just because. So now that that is over with and, and he's now gone, the focus now shifts elsewhere. Well, and so I would say this, Devon, my first thought as it relates to the Sixers, as I'm working on, you know, reporting, their side of all this, I sit here right now and say the big move isn't coming unless there's a guy or a move that materializes out of, I won't say thin air, but it's good. There's going to have to be movement in the marketplace that is not clear where we sit today, right? Because OG is one of the big available names, quickly one of the big available names. And now when you hear the rationale for why they're on the fringes of this conversation, right, that they don't want to pay him X amount of dollars. I think I know we've reported on the Zach Levine perspective from the Sixers many times before. This would make me double down and say, I, I don't think they want to be in that business. I don't think they want the future commitment uh, of dollars to Zach Levine if they're not willing to give similar type of commitment to OG Ananobi. I think if there was a player out there making similar-ish money, but was only, you know, the next year, the next two years, 
then I could see the Sixers being talked into it, right? And now you say, I don't know, they're going to be shopping in the, you know, if the price comes down on Alex Caruso or they're looking for backup ball handlers. Like, I just don't see lots of natural candidates for the Sixers to go after right now. That's not to say that they won't do anything, but I, I think this is a precursor for maybe a quieter trade deadline than we would have expected when they made the James Harden trade. That's just my early read on it. Yeah, I don't know. I, I know we can certainly report on what Daryl Morey is telling people now and what the Sixers are telling people now. What would they have said at the trade deadline? Like, would their perspective of trading for someone who is in perfect change is something we've talked about on a recent podcast. I certainly get not wanting to take yourself out of the market to make an OG trade now. There are certainly downsides to an OG trade, but I'm not sure I'd read too far into the rest of that. You know, I think this is interesting from the Raptors' perspective because I think it signals they are building around a Scotty Barnes and quickly backcourt. And I think that puts Pascal Siakam squarely on the trade market. That doesn't necessarily mean a direct fit with the Sixers, but it could mean a um, you know, pretty frothy trade market overall around the league. So we'll see how that shakes out elsewhere. But OG was always such a weird spot to be in because on the one hand, you know, people compare it to Tobias. And I think there's some merit to that because it's going to be a bad contract. We've I've said that pretty much every time we talk about OG. But I think with the, the always the big difference to me with like if I asked you guys what is Tobias Harris's most natural role? How can he impact winning the most? What would you say? Secondary score would be my my first but if you're a, if he's a sec but like what what does that mean is that a primary like a second option a third option if he is I your second third. if he is your second uh, but if he's your third option he's not a good enough catch and shoot player he's not a good enough defender to really make an impact if he's your second option mm -hmm. he's not a good enough second option uh, to really run your offense through so he's kind of like he, he's a, a misfit in both of those roles and it was not only that Tobias Harris was an overpay but it's also that you, I didn't know how he drove winning at the highest level in really any role. Um, I think he was a floor raiser more than a ceiling raiser. OG, I think there is a perfect role for him. And I think that's, you know, especially on a team with Embiid and Maxi, I think it is pretty easy to find that perfect role. The problem is you need, there's two problems. First of all, I think he wanted to be paid like a third option. And in this new CBA, it's tough to pay four players that kind of money. And you needed a third option on offense. So I think there was a, a role for him, but I think he was going to want more money than maybe you were willing to pay for that role. And that was always a crux of the problem. But I always thought there was a real good role for him on his team if you could find another legitimate offensive player. But, you know, in years past, like again, going back to the Tobias comparison, if it was OG with the Tobias contract four years ago, I could talk myself into that easier, like I said, because I do think there are things he does at an elite level and a role that you can find him on the floor that would impact winning in a major way. The difference is, it is not the CBA of four years ago anymore. And that was always my biggest problem. Uh, if you are able to get another offensive player to make OG that fourth sort of like offensive option, then it means you're going to have four players you're going to have to pay big money to. And making that work under the new CBA, under that second apron, was going to be really, really tough. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And that was always my crux because I, I did really like his potential fit alongside Embiid, Maxi, and an offensive player to be named later. 
problem is you didn't have the resources to get that other offensive player to be named later, and you didn't have the financial resources to keep them around long-term. I think that kind of lets OG off the hook a little bit, honestly, to say that you can, like, I get that Joel and Tyrese are on a different tier than the guys in Toronto, but OG, like, look, this year, Scotty Barnes has taken the leap, right? Like, he's been very good. Pascal Siakam's continued to be a very productive player. And OG on most nights is in that third scorer, defensive, versatile player role. And they fucking stink. They're not good. So He's not like, good enough it, to be a third option, though. He's not, like, we know that. But, yeah, so I, I just, like, I, I think we're it's it's always like, well, he could be in this idealized role. Well, he kind of already is in the role you want him to play. And admittedly on it, again, they have a bunch of guys that in theory are supposed to be good basketball players. Siakam is a guy who actually has been a key contributor at a high level on a title team. Like I, whereas OG at that point was still lower down the pecking order and bench guy, all that. So I, I don't know. I just, I like OG. I always was skeptical that third, I, I'm still skeptical of him as like a third guy. I don't know what this does for the Knicks specifically. I guess it's kind of contingent on future trades. Like, I guess the best thing you could say for New York is that they saved all their firsts to trade for like another yeah, real they have, guy. They have three firsts in this upcoming draft. Yep. So I, I think in, in that, if you looked, Look at it through that perspective. I think it's a win for New York there where, all right, let's say that they they end up being a, a middle ground playoff team with this group, which is most likely what they're going to be. They can still take, you know, Randall's contract, three first round picks, throw in, you know, I don't know, Grimes or, you know, one of these other young guys or whatever, and maybe go get like a, a legit third guy for him, Brunson, Ananobi. But I, there's still a lot of, dot connecting to be done. And I, I do think that like OG kind of is who he is at this point. He's not that young. Like he's, he's what, 26 and he'll be 27, I guess not till July, but there, if there's a future upside bet being made here, I don't really see that. I guess it's just, he is what he is. And you hope that that is enough on a better team. When you talk about the third option piece and speaking about Jake Fisher, I was looking at something a little bit before we came on. And Jake had had, you know, some information out there that, of course, we know he wanted more offensive <clears throat> opportunity, except for, you know, he would accept the role in New York to take take a role there with the Knicks. But if that's what he, if that's what he wanted, then again, and not necessarily in the city that he wanted, if he were traded here as an example to Philadelphia, then what what would that mean? If he wants the basketball and he wants more offensive opportunity. And he's a third option already in Toronto. And he comes here where the ball is in Maxi and in B's hands. Who's to say he would have been happy here and you would have traded whatever you would have traded for, you know, all of the assets that you gave up to bring him in here for this season, which who knows how that would have turned out. However, if that was his goal, then maybe being here, since Derek, as you just laid out, you just don't think he's a good enough third option, then here wasn't the right place. And we've had our positive conversations and our negative conversations about what type of role the fit defensively it was never a problem it was always about the offensive side and if he wants more responsibility on that end just wasn't going to be here now i am curious because when jalen when julius Randle does not get the ball enough he's not happy jalen brunson is always going to have the ball in his hand so he'll be fine so that i'm very curious to see how tom thibodeau and that 
offensive coaching staff that they're going to have there chipping in and getting him involved. R.J. Barrett was not happy with his role. Whether he was good or not, he was the third option, and he thought he should have had more opportunity. O.J. Anobi, who's the better offensive player? Where does it fit best? Is he going to be happy in that role there? He said he would be. I, I assume he will be maybe if he got his money, but that's something that we'll monitor. But coming here, not wanting to just be that third guy and not getting enough touches, who knows how, how happy he would have been here. Yeah. No, I mean, we've, we've, we've talked about that a lot where he is a fourth option that thinks he's a second option, and that's a little tough to, uh, to square. So, so where do you guys think the, the Sixers go next, I guess? Because I, I think we've been Chicago, I think. Uh, yeah. That's a bad that's... Derek joke that Devon did uh, <laughs> immediately. Yeah. Tonight. Tonight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but they still may go to Chicago because they may shift their focus again to the smaller name. If, if the bigger name is not out there for that third star level type of player. But as you like to say, the connecting pieces that now you start to go. And we talked about this a little bit last night for those that weren't with us. If you can get Alex Caruso and you pair him with another piece where you're focusing on a defensive part there and let's say Jordan Clarkson as an example is another piece where you're looking at two players or Bogdanovich as, as you use for that example specifically. Which of the Bogdanovichi are you uh, the referring Atlanta, to? Atlanta Bogdanovichi okay. that we were focusing Bogdan on. Bogdan squared is what we can There call you it. go. Okay. All right. We can go there. But it, I, I think that's where they shift now because, as you said, unless something comes out of thin air, we haven't heard much of anybody else except for the names that we constantly bring up. Levine and Anobi. And all of these other Caruso, maybe TJ McConnell sometimes, of course, Tyus Jones. This is what we keep talking about. This is what we keep hearing. So unless something really, really goes crazy in another organization, we're probably looking at someone like Alex Caruso and another name value-wise, it's there. Star value-wise, it's not necessarily there. Yeah. I mean, I think, and, and to be clear, that Chicago was a joke. I didn't mean they're trading for Levine. Don't read into that. That's my bad sense of humor. And where, in terms of where they go, you know, I, like I said at the beginning, I think one of the two things that's real interesting is what this means for the market for role players, both the trade market now and potentially the free agent market next summer, and trying to figure that out uh, because of like we've talked about the entire time with the changes in the CBA, those players might end up getting squeezed. Does that impact Caruso's market next summer? And in terms of GMs projecting that, does that impact his trade market now? Does that impact the value of players like Atlanta Bogdanovich, who have a couple of years left on the contract, maybe even make them more valuable because they're lower than market value. Who knows? Um, and does that impact Siakam and, and players like that become available? Uh, there's still a lot of time, but I do think it probably hints maybe going towards a little more of a role player type because they might be undervalued in the trade market. But we do still have to sort of see how it shakes out. Yeah, and here's another lesson here that I didn't think had to be learned, but you know, maybe Masai will have some level of self-reflection at some point turned down three first round picks for OG last year when didn't he turn a, down the pick that became shade and sharp too. I think there's a sign on a pick too. You, you might know better than me on that one. I don't remember the exact, I just know Memphis was after him. Indiana was after him. And the logic then is, all right, it's worth giving up a lot of extra capital here because you get the, 
close to the season with OG, plus you get that next year, then you can determine the future with him in terms of what you're going to give him as a free agent. And Masai said, nah, I want to keep him on this team that's gone nowhere and missed out on the the play-in berth into the playoffs and then end up trading him for it. Look, I, I think quickly as a chance. By the way, going to pick up Jakob, Jakob Pertl for whatever reason. Yeah. Right. Not and only then, did they, they trade not... a pick for Thad Young too. It's like, what were you doing? Like there are so many, mm-hmm. and this is one thing where when he, we talk, like reflect on the process, the one thing I gave Hinky credit for was that he realized that the, t- the league was going to sour on Michael Carter Williams and he sold him quickly because if you wait like a year too long or a contract too long, that trade value changes quickly. Uh, Masai has missed that mark a couple of times. No here pun intended. In recent memory. I was going to steal that one too, Kyle. So go for it. (laughs) So, I mean, as much as I I think getting quickly is a nice pickup here for the Raptors, you know, you pair him with Scotty Barnes, you see what you get for Siakam if they, because I, I mean, my guess would be he gets moved to Atlanta or maybe Sacramento, one of these other teams that are not quite contending status that are looking to, well, certainly Atlanta is not anywhere close, but Sacramento, maybe Indiana, I know it's been mentioned, trying to push their way further up the pecking order. Once they trade Siakam, you see what it all looks like there. But I think there should be some other GMs around the league who look at, you know, they might have good players under contract with a year and a half left on deals who should say, we should avoid this type of situation where let's move a guy now rather than, at the last possible second, because it's that's just how it goes, man. Like you, the the day yesterday's price is not today's price, and I think the Raptors found that out the hard way. Even if I think they did a decent job uh, recouping some value at the final hour. Yeah, it's a it's a weird spot because I think the player they targeted makes sense for them, and I still can't help but look back at what they would have turned down in the past and been like, you should have gotten more. Not not like you necessarily should have gotten more for a player who has a couple months left on his deal before becoming a free agent, but you should have anticipated that you weren't going anywhere and gotten more when the value was still high. Any interest in Pascal Siakam for either of you? It's not happening. It is really bad. It it doesn't matter. Like Nick Nurse is not signing off on that. So, uh, and actually, we have a super chat from Bill that kind of dovetails with that. So Bill says that he's worried that moves are running out. I think the Sixers offense is going to have issue in the playoffs. Start to think we should have kept Harden. Nobody, please. That part of it, I'm just throwing out right away. It was the right thing to do to move on from James. But that was kind of what I was getting at earlier. Like, I don't think they're in the Levine business. I don't think they're in the Siakam business. And so at least the big name guys who we know are available right now, I think they're like a thanks, but no thanks type team. So if we get down to it, we'll see. There's still over a month to go before the deadline. Time for teams to really evaluate themselves and see where they're at. But I, I do think that this trade, because it involved multiple guys who were potential trade targets, definitely took some big pieces off the board. Yeah, I mean, look, these are two players the Sixers theoretically could have been interested. Uh, and now when you get the February's trade deadline, they're not an option. Does that necessarily mean I think one of them should have been who the Sixers pursued. I, I mean, quickly was really interesting. Uh, OG was was brought up a lot. But I think at the in an ideal world, you would have as many options available at the deadline so you had as much information as you could so you know what's your best option. If you make a trade for Ananobi or, or quickly now, you would make that trade without having 
a few of the full full board on the table. Um, so for them not to be there at the end, it's just one option removed. Doesn't mean it that these will likely be their best options. Who knows? But I don't necessarily like. I think he, Bill is going a little too far uh, in 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 both the keeping Harden and not having enough for the playoffs and all the options running out. But I think the underlying concern there is, yeah, if you're a Sixers fan, you probably would have preferred at least one, maybe both these players to be available in five and a half weeks when the Sixers actually have to make a decision. I think a big question with that for a lot of people is, is if they don't make a move, is this team good enough to win? And that's that's the main question for for many people, which is why you wanted those. Every team always wants to add to their talent base, of course, and the personnel and looking at who might have been traded to this place or that place. Why couldn't my team go get them? Well, right now, sure, the Sixers are in the top three, but we've talked about how good Boston is and can the Sixers beat Boston? Can they beat the Milwaukee Bucks and get finally get out of that second round, advance to the Eastern Conference Finals? Still, we, we don't know that answer, and we're still going to have to wait for that answer for a few more months. But right now, I think it's fair to say that communicating, as we have with the, so many Sixer fans, they don't think their team is still ready to win and beat at least Boston in another series to advance first to the Eastern Conference Finals and then maybe to the NBA Finals. And maybe a move like this certainly would have helped make them feel that much better about their opportunity, their chances in the postseason to not have another, their eighth consecutive exit, early exit in that second round. And that's that's where it seems, just looking at some of the comments that we've had, looking at some of the comments on social media, still not enough. Uh, of course, New York is not going to catapult over the 76ers, at least for right now, in the minds of the fans. But what is that going to do for them when the coverage starts to become bare and there's not that player and you go out there and you get Caruso or Jordan Clarkson or some other role player that's still very talented, but is it going to put them over the top? We also have a couple more super chats to get to. Get to as we're, so Mr. Rudy Pooh, thank you very much with the hilarious name, by the way. <laughs> uh, it says pick up nice role players from tanking teams. Tyus Jones, obligatory mention on the show, obviously. Maybe Jaden Ivey, who we also brought up at earlier points this week. Monty doesn't play him. I would say on Ivy. Ivy looks like he's going to start playing more there. I think maybe the pressure is on the organization enough that the the powers that be are saying, hey, this kid that we took top five in the draft, maybe play him over <laughs> Killian Hayes. Like I just a thought. I don't know. You know, just I'm I'm just speculating that a few words may have been exchanged at, at one point or another. Uh, and our guy Vince, very similar mindset. I think he's in. Vincent Pellegrini with the super chat as well, at saying just want a backup point guard like the depth the team has this year. And so I want to, we're going to combine these two ideas between Vince and Mr. Rudy Pooh. I've seen this sentiment more and more. <laughs> Can you say that name one more time, please? <laughs> Mr. Rudy Pooh. There you go. Three times. That's like South saying Park, Candyman yeah. in the mirror three times, except uh, instead the rock comes through and gives you a... <laughs> So I would say this, the sentiment has been out there more and more recently. And I think I've, I've probably lent to this a bit myself of policing myself that it might be a two stars and role players league, or that might be the best path, even if it's just looking at the Sixers. And some people look at the nuggets as a, maybe a model you want to follow. I want to offer one, you know, bit of caution here. 
the Nuggets basically had six playable guys in the playoffs last year. Everybody else, they're just like night to night grasping it. Oh man, I, I don't know if we can go to this guy. There is a very big difference between what Boston has, which is to say they have six guys that you absolutely know are playoff level guys. And then it's like, if there's a mixed bag beyond that, but they still are getting good contributions from those guys. Denver was basically on their hands and knees praying every night that they could field a rotation. Now the, the high end of the rotation was so good that it didn't matter. I'm less enthused about the idea of like role players are going to get it done. I do think, you know, Derek has brought up the new CBA. The new CBA is going to force a lot of teams into this sort of path. And I, I, I'm not saying I want to trade for the Levines of the world or to throw $40 million at Ananobi in the summer. But as much as I'm banging the drum for Tyus Jones and some of these other role players around the league, it, it could very well be a be careful what you wish for situation once they actually get to winning time in the playoffs. Well, and look, when we quote unquote bang the drums for Tyus Jones, it's because you can get him for giving up very, very little. Nobody's saying yes. like, hey, the three first round picks that they acquired go in with for Tyus Jones and let's do it with role players. Like that's not what we're suggesting at all. All right, man. Well, that about do it? Because we do have to get back at it tonight. Uh, Sixers. We do. I got to see you guys again in a couple Bulls. hours. Yeah. And we actually get to see each other. Maybe it looks like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We were told we get to come into the studio, right? Yeah. 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 So, um, again, big trade. Sixers wanted two of the names. Sorry. At the top, I didn't include Emmanuel quickly. I got yelled at by Derek Bodner for the first time. And, Kyle. and I didn't like it. So I have to be better. And, and you um, forgot Malachi Flynn. Come on, man. And I like, forgot Malachi Flynn. I did mention Preston Sachua. You did. You know, you yeah, did. I did. I mentioned Preston Sachua. <laughs> but, hey, we'll be back tonight after the Sixers take on the Chicago Bulls, going for win number three in a row. And the final game of this four-game road trip, they will not, not have OG Ananobi coming into town for next week on their roster because he's now a New York Nick. And Emmanuel Quickly is headed to the Toronto Raptors with R.J. Barrett. It's crazy. We talk more about Emmanuel Quickly than R.J. Barrett. And he's supposed to be the headline of that deal going to Toronto. But that's their problem. Sixers have a problem tonight. Well, maybe not a problem, but an opportunity to collect their third win. So good stuff, guys. You want to shout out everybody here or you want to wait till later? Oh, guys? man, we got to shout outs in one day. Two shout outs. Before then, I want to make sure we tell you about a road trip. Uh, we are going on the road. Ooh. They are spending three nights and two games in Los Angeles, and we are having a road trip for that. You can go to allphly.com, go to the events section. You can find tickets there. Uh, it will be, what, I think it's four nights, or three nights, four days in Los Angeles, leaving on the 22nd of March, coming back on the 25th. There are a couple of options, including airfare, including not including airfare, yada, yada, yada. Go to allphly.com. You get to hang out with us for legitimately a couple of days uh, and talk some basketball. Should be fun. I tell some you, I got to go find my shades, man. <laughs> some, your Shady Ray shades, shades, I hope. Got to get my Shady Ray shades, man. Get ready. We got we in La La Land and have some fun out there. Yeah, should be good. Well, see James everybody, everybody, we'll see you later tonight. I'd see Ronald, Austin, Tafka, Dave, Sean, A., I see Rupert advocating for Miles Bridges. No, thank no. you, buddy. This no, is not the no. show that is going to no. agree with you on that one. Martian Lynch, I saw a two-minute warning. SB, hypothetical man. God, there's too many today. This is an emergency podcast.
I love you. <laughs> Subscribe to the channel. Hit that thumbs up button. We will see Bing. you on Saturday night. Y'all silly like the mayor. 